Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Uh, we're still on holidays for a couple more days. Well, this episode will come out first day back at work. Yeah, welcome back to work. People. Welcome back. We hope we can ease you back in. Walking down that same old street. Yeah. Sitting on that same old bus. Slash train. Slash train. Slash light rail. Slash light rail. Slash monorail, if you're listening. Ferry. Monorail, if you're listening from... Ogdenville. West Haverbrook. <laughs> Boy, I put them on the map. Monorail. <laughs> I'm working on my Bouvier yeah. family impressions. That was, who was that? Selma that was one of the Patty or Selma. It was a bit more of a Patty. <laughs> uh, we're doing Rush Hour today. We sure are. Enter the Drew. Enter the Drew. <laughs> 1998. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get a bit of that. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a lot of that. Soz. Yeah, Soz, not Soz. Yeah. Hey, it's a new year for us. <laughs> It is. Yeah. It's a new decade. Well, yeah, well, it's a new year. Okay, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> oh, oh I, thought you were, I thought you were just doing riffing. Okay, two-parter. I got, a two, I got, okay. I got one point with Let's two parts. With Happy New one. Year. Yes, and to you too. But 1998 is also a new year for us. Is it? Yeah, I think we've only done um, Deep Impact oh, when we did it. was, was like a, a practice um, episode. Which is a lost tape. Yeah, because I had to look up. The top 10 that hadn't had to do that for ages. The Lost Tapes. The Lost Tapes. Uh, 1998. I was in year 11, which is our second last year of high school. So I guess I was in year nine or something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, something like that. It was the year that Marvel uh, offered the cinematic rights for almost all of its characters to yeah. Sony. Because they were broke ass. Yeah, 25 mil. <sighs> and Sony said, nah. We're just going to buy the rights to Spider-Man for 10 because that's the only character anyone cares about. Huge mistake. And what, Fox got X-Men and some of the other ones? I don't know. This is your, this is your fucking this is your <laughs> show, buddy. You tell me. So now, oh, yeah, so I think yeah. X-Men and Fantastic Four went Fox. Hulk went Paramount. And uh, Paramount still has Hulk. So any ah. solo Hulk movie would be paramount, but what, what, that's they, why there's no solo Hulk movies. Do they get a piece of the action? I think so. There's been heaps of Hulk solo Hulk movies. They, they, were, they were paramount. Ah, yes. But that's why he's more like Have in, been, in the Thor movie. And like that is that why they kept changing Hulk? Because who's been the Hulk? Well, the first one was Paramount, Paramount. Then I think the second one was Paramount in collaboration with whatever state Marvel Studios was at at that point. Mm-hmm. So that was a recasting and a reboot. But then uh, I think it was just because um, Ed Norton's a pain in the ass to work with, it seems yeah. like. Ah. Yeah. But not the – who's the current guy? What's his name Ruffalo. again? Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. He, apparently he's a nice man. Yeah. And he's, he's been uh, the Hulk ever since. Um. It was a it was an interesting year for movies. I was going to say, actually, it was I reckon it was a good year for movies, but the top ten is a bit meh. What um what's in there? Number one, Armageddon. Number two, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Number three, Godzilla, uh, which would be fun to revisit. I reckon because it's probably pretty uh, shit. I get confused with them all. Is that the one with um Ferris Bueller? Yeah, yeah. with his worms. 
There's something about Mary. Ah, it's mm-hmm. a great movie. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have picked that to be a top five yeah, box yeah, office one, though. A Bug's Life, Deep Impact, Mulan, Dr. Doolittle. Oh, so it's gosh. just a bit all over the place. Lethal Weapon 4, uh, Shakespeare in Love. Uh, but outside of the picture, top wasn't ten. It? Yeah, I think so. Outside of the top ten, though. Truman Show. Ah. That was big. Snake Eyes. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to do Truman Show at some point. Yeah, for sure. Wild so, things, can't hardly wait. Very ooh, bad and that, things. And that disturbing and that. behavior. Big Lebowski. Oh, Pleasantville, Urban oh. Legend, Enemy of the State, The Water Boy, Ants. Yeah, yeah. So it was most. It was the non-box. It was the he got game smaller ones that the were the good movies. Smaller ones, perhaps. Yeah, the cult yeah. classics of the era of the year. Yeah, but there was a movie that snuck in to number fourteen. That was Rush Hour. Exactly. Wow. Released in September of 1998, uh, budget of $35 million, gross of $244.4 million. So that's a pretty huge return. Uh-huh. And I was actually surprised to not see this in the top 10. Yes. I thought it would be in there. Especially after hearing that top 10. Yeah. Like, how did it beat something did- about Mary? I mean, definitely for me at the time, this was bigger. Me too. Much bigger. This was probably the biggest movie of the year for me uh, at that time. Yeah. 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 No I longer. probably saw all of these at cinema. I probably saw Armageddon, Godzilla. This was peak cinema going age, wasn't it? Sort Bugs Life. Mid to later high school. Yeah. Before the pub. Yeah, exactly. Before this this was like, Mom, go to McCoy's to pick up chicks. Yeah, I'll be back later. Yeah. With like Brian and those guys and we'd watch movies and stuff and- Hang out at Time Zone. Yeah. Play Virtual Cop 2. And Dance Zone. What's that dancing <laughs> one called? Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah, we never yeah, played that. Yeah, bullshit. I don't Lies. Know how to play that. Lies. Now, that's, that would be too embarrassing to play. It would have to be cool. <laughs> cool. cool. Play it cool. Play it cool. Um, so, yeah, I assume this was a big one for you, right? Absolutely. Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan? Yeah. I was definitely probably at the time more Chris Tucker than Jackie Chan. I knew who he was, but I hadn't seen many. I think I seen Police Story or something. But yeah. but this was like after seeing Friday and like Yeah. This yeah Chris was, Tucker I was, was ready. the man. Yeah. Uh at this point. Yeah, yeah. I was a big Jackie Chan guy, obviously. So mm. I had watched the vast well, the the main, you know, the vast majority. He's got a lot of movies. A lot. Majority, one hundred and fifteen or something. Yeah, I'd watch some. <laughs> I don't think anyone's watched the yeah. majority. <laughs> I've watched all these big ones from the eighties. Yeah, and earlier nineties as well. Yeah, yeah. They're fucking awesome. If you ever, well, if you're a kung fu geek, you probably already watched them. But yeah, they're worth revisiting. All the police stories. I'm keen to watch those. Project I've only seen a. Police Story one. And most and like Western ones. I haven't seen many of his actual Hong Kong movies. Yeah, like it's like Dragons Forever was one. I uh, Wheels on Wheels, Mules on Wheels too. Oof. Anyway, yes, so it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And in the years that followed sequels, like they were all big yeah, deals. Yeah. These were like most guys our ages' house. You'd see it on the DVD shelf. Everyone was quoting Tucker in a yeah. really bad accent. Yeah, and this is one of those movies where. I don't think we'll be doing many impressions because they come across quite racist. I said this to Carol. I said, <laughs> mm, I don't know how we're going to do the impressions for yeah, this Yeah, we just sound very white and uh, problematic when we try and yeah. do that. I'll do a few. Yeah. <laughs> See where we land. So, the power of editing. What were you saying about camel hump? Why are you not telling me about camel hump? 
actually, I've got a clip later, uh, and it's um, Chris Tucker talking about working with Jackie Chan, and he's doing Jackie Chan's accent, but for some reason it's like French, so I don't know what that's about. How did you think mine was? Was it bad? <laughs> no, yours was exactly right. <laughs> Carol told me. Which it wasn't one were good. you doing? Well, it sounded the, the content sounded like that's Chris what, Tucker. I'm pretty sure it's a, that's a Chris Tucker line. Yeah, it just came out, but that was that was my Jackie Chan. Why are you doing this for me? <laughs> It's almost like Arnold, man. Well, maybe he sounds like Arnold. There. Bad guys over there. Uh, I feel like my impressions got worse. All <laughs> um, uh, right. Well, big deal for us. Yeah, a uh, big deal for us was How Deep Is Your Love? Certified banger. Yeah! Oh, yeah, yeah. This was uh, where Enter the Drew entered my life. I don't know about you. I, well, I bought that album. I recorded onto a cassette, I think. Oh, maybe I had the album. I must have borrowed it or burnt it on CD at that point, maybe. Maybe. Cause I bought the yeah. CD at a, one of those knockoff stores in Bali. Right. I listened to every track on that. There was f- n- what? No. I listened to every track. Yeah, it was fucking terrible. Yeah, but I loved it. Did you? Yeah, but I think it was like music was scarce in those days, man. Well, I bought it a couple of years later. Oh, uh, no, I think I had it that year. And so I only had probably four CDs or something. So you just listen to shit cover to cover. I re-listened to it recently in this age of music abundance. <laughs> How was it? Uh, I couldn't stick with it very long. There was some nostalgia-ness to it, but ultimately I was like, this isn't very good. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the way I felt when I listened to it the first time. I think time. there's a couple of tracks in there that are like decent in terms of just super cheeseball R&B. Mm. It's kind of fun. Like this. Like us. Like this song. Oh, like yeah, yeah. Life, yeah. But that's definitely the catchiest one. Yeah. yeah! I think we did that at karaoke, not last time, but that other time. Ah. The shit place, though. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I just like going there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, should I get into the origin story? Oh, yes. Tell me all about it. Origin story. All right. So there's a few factors here, and I don't want to go too deep onto. Wow. <laughs> I'm also sitting closer to the uh, the wow button. The wow button. So expect to be wowed, people. Literally, not fi- not figuratively. Wow. If you press it heaps, it doesn't like a wow. Which is what I was hoping for. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. <laughs> All right. Origin so I'm gonna, story. I'm going to do origin story, but without going too deep into the past of Jackie Chan and that kind of thing, because I feel like that's probably juicier stuff to talk about later. So I'm going to tell the origin story more through the lens of the director, Mr. Brett. Ratner, uh, it's a bit of a shitbag. Yeah. So, like, we'll give him his little bit here and I don't think we'll talk about him much after this other than that he's a bit of a shitbag. Did you, can I just say, yeah. I, kn- I knew that uh, Aussie mogul James Packer had a production company called Rat Pack. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so James Packer yeah. uh, is a wow. very high-profile billionaire in Australia. Yeah. He has a – Like a had, Rupert Murdoch type. Yeah, or, or yeah, he was like the son of the richest man yeah. in Australia for many years. Well, he's still the son. For the 30% and the 12%. And he, yeah, so he wanted to get out of the family business, which was media stage, like TV stations and stuff in Australia. And he had a production company in the US called Rat Pack. And I just assumed it was named after the Rat Pack. And then doing this research, I realized it's hard, it was co-owned and co-founded by Brett Ratner. Right. Rat. Yeah. And Packer. Oh, Packer. Pack. Rat Pack. Wow. See, this is interesting because I knew the other half. I was like, I knew that Ratner. was Ratner. Ah. So this is why this this is why the podcast works, Greg. 
You both bring things. <laughs> I bring the rat, you bring the pack. Yeah. Rat pack. The rat pack pack. The rat pack pack. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Oh, man. Yeah, that shit's crazy. Yeah. Um, he's, not, he's not working too much these days because he's kind of a piece of shit, it seems like. Yeah, he feels pretty much on par with uh, Old Mate at this point. Miramax. Weinstein. Weinstein, yeah. Like there's a lot. Only of- thing is I don't think he's been convicted. Oh, okay. But it, seem, it seems like a Weinstein thing where there's enough Oh, let's just say alleged in everything. And enough consistency where it seems like alleged. Uh, he's probably not a good bloke. Put alleged. It that way. Yeah, alleged. Yeah. Um, but let's give him his uh, just uh, let, let's paint a, the context around him in relation to this picture, not to make a hero out of him, but more to just tell you where this movie fucking came from. So it's origin story, but it's origin story where it all started. It's interesting in the context of this film because he talks about growing up on kung fu movies and black exploitation movies. And also growing up in Miami and like the cop shows and all those kinds of things merged together for him. And a lot of his, he would make movies as a kid that were kind of all those things mushed together, which you could argue in theory, this movie also kind of is too, which Mm. is interesting. But hold that thought. Basically, his big break came uh, while studying at NYU, doing film. He he released Uh a short film called Whatever Happened to Mason Reese, um, which caught a bit of traction for reasons I don't understand. For some reason, this got him in with the hip-hop crowd. And, I mean, I couldn't find this short film online, but it's called Whatever Happened to Mason Reese. And Mason Reese was a child star. From in, what? From, like, in heaps of ads and stuff. And it's it's not something at all linked to hip-hop. Right. So, so it's weird. So maybe that was just a name and it had nothing to do with I don't know. But anyway, for whatever reason. Maybe it had a good soundtrack. Maybe it did. So Public Enemy were at its premiere for some reason. Maybe they had a song in it. Maybe, yeah. Well, they they then signed him up to make music videos for them. And then he ended up doing a bunch of work with Wu-Tang, LL Cool J, Mariah Carey, Blackstreet, Jodeci. So he was a hip-hop video guy. Did he do a Sydney Cisco numbers? I think he did some Drew Hill. He at least did the uh, the How Deep Is Your Love. Did he do... (laughs) You know what I want to know. What? Did he do the thong song? I don't know. I don't (laughs) think so. What I do know, <laughs> dumps like a truck. The song's so good, he used the same verse twice. <laughs> dumps like a truck. Truck, truck. Say it again. He runs out of breath. Yeah. Anyway. All right, what I do know for sure is on one of these videos, he met a young man named Chris Tucker. Fast forward to 1997 and, you know, it's two years post Friday. He's had his big break. Chris Tucker's getting his own movies. He's getting a movie called Money Talks. Have you seen the movie Money Talks? I probably have. Yeah. I remember not being particularly excited by it. Yeah. Even at the time when I was a fan. Who else is in it? Is that got a It's got an Estevez, Charlie Sheen. Right. Yeah. But that um they had a director for that movie that left and then they did a new one. And Chris Tucker said, Hey, I know a guy. His name is Brett. His name is Brit. Brit. And so that became his first movie. Uh, money talks, and it does okay. Turns a profit, mm-hmm. yeah, enough to make an impact with a little company called New Line Cinema. Ah, New Line Cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so parallel to this, a spec script had been floating around Hollywood since 1995 called Rush Hour. Before it became the Rush Hour that we know, it had a guy named Martin Lawrence attached. Oh, yep. 
it was at Disney. Um, they eventually backed out. But what's interesting is apparently it was a Martin Lawrence and Chris Farley, Chris Farley. thing. So it seems as though it wasn't initially necessarily the Asian mm. thing was Which part is, of it. It kind of runs. Exactly. So it makes me wonder, like, because we do a lot of these origin stories, right, and sometimes it's like heavily driven by the the script, sometimes it's heavily driven by the actor or sometimes it's yeah. heavily driven by the director. And, like, this one is, I, seems like more the director maybe. I don't know. It's a bit weird because what else, what was that script if not, for having <laughs> Jackie yeah. Chan in it. There's like, not much else there. There's not much else there. So I don't know what the original script was, but it, it didn't have that in it. So the film kind of bounces around Hollywood for a bit. It kind of loses traction at Disney and they kind of back out and whatever. Um, yeah. But after the se- success of Money Talks, New Lion wants to be in the Brett Ratner business. Brett Ratner business. Yeah. And says, hey, let's do this movie. And they're like, yeah, let's fucking do this movie. So, of course, he then gets Chris Tucker in. But then he desperately wants Jackie Chan um, for the picture. I met with the producer, Roger Birnbaum, and I said, you know, I want to do a movie with Jackie Chan. You don't understand. I'm the biggest fan of his. So he said, well, you know, he's going to have to prove you and, you know, you got to go meet him. So I flew to South Africa for one day. I flew all the way to South Africa. And I met with him and I said, Jackie, you don't understand. Oh, I got to make this movie with you. And I said, well, which movie are you going to make? And he said, Rush Hour is the one I want to do. And I said, I'm so happy because out of all the scripts that I read, Rush Hour is by far the best one. Before he agreed to meet with me, I sent him a copy of Money Talks. And I think what it was was that Money Talks was a real movie with a beginning, a middle, and end, with characters, with a great, with a great storyline. And, you know, he said, Brett, Hong Kong directors don't understand Story. They understand action. You understand story. You do story. I do action. Okay. So uh, the first of the awkward impressions there, maybe perhaps he did a little Jackie Chan. That's what I was just trying. Did he just do a little? <laughs> to be fair, I don't think he wasn't I really. Think he started and then yeah, kind of, kind of eased off. turned it down. But um, there's actually two things in there. Kind of what we we'll say before I played that clip of the way he said, "Oh, which script do you like?" It's like they had a bunch in the mix or something. Yeah. I guess which is what happens when you become a hot director. There's a few scripts to choose from, maybe. Yeah, a few few things on the go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they aligned on that one. And he just wanted to Jack, be in the Jackie Chan business. Yeah, he wanted to be in the Jackie Chan business. Um, but what he said there was true at the end, how he's like, I'll handle the story, you handle the action. Like they actually did that. So in the scenes they would, we'll talk a bit more about the stunts later, but he he would go, Jackie, my man, Jackie. The scene starts like this, the scene ends like this. And then Jackie would choreograph the action in between in terms of the fighting and stuff. Tell me where is the Junto. <laughs> That's really good. It's a little Austrian though. This, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it just comes coming, out. It's what's coming I think out. it's in our DNA though. Yeah, but I mean, so ultimately that's kind of all there is to the origin story in this one, but it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it is pretty cool that this is one. I think he'd, he'd already done Rumble in the Bronx, which was relatively Western production, I think. Thing. Yeah, well, but this was definitely bringing it to the masses. It was still like dubbed and a yeah kind of yeah Asian movie with white actors other than Jackie. Yeah, and set in the Bronx because there was some also that had like Aussies in it trying to do American. They got the Gold Coast at one point. Yeah, was that, that was, in, was that Rumble in the Bronx or was that another one, Mr. Oh, nice Guy or something? Missed, no, oh. one of definitely them? go the Gold Coast. Yeah. Anyway, it is dubbed. Anyway, this is a big step, I guess. Yes. So, uh, it's like full Hollywood. It's 
full Hollywood. Hollywood. Jackie Chan meets Hollywood, and the rest is history. Let's play the trick. If you want the girl back alive, listen and do not talk. The drop will be made tonight, 11 p.m. The amount will be $50 million. $50 million? And who do you think you kidnapped, Chelsea Clinton? Detective James Carter loved his job just a little too much. He destroyed half a city block. That block was already messed up. And you lost a lot of evidence. Still got a little bit left. But the job got a little too dangerous. You have 29 minutes left. I got everything under control. Papa. I want to speak with my daughter. Time was about to get his daughter back and you screwed it up. I would like one of my people to help. Now it's time to bring in the master. Please tell me you speak English. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I don't want no partner, I don't need no partner, and I ain't gonna never have no partner. Did Kojak have a partner? Yeah, the fat guy. Did Columbo have a partner? Look. No, 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 no. You put your own bag in the back. I'm not a sky cat. Ah, bitch boy. Oh, hell no. Don't you ever touch a black man's radio, boy. Yeah. <laughs> They're two cops with nothing in common. Do it again. Like this. Except the case. Hello. You have one more chance. They can't walk away from. Agent Carter is a very passionate about finding your daughter. Damn! Which one of y'all kicked me? From New Line Cinema. Oh! The fastest hands in the East meet the biggest mouth in the West. Just received a threat on the building. We ask you please exit the building. Do not panic. Jackie Chan. I can't hold it anymore. Just hang on, man. I'll be right back. Chris Tucker. FBI. Take a picture. It's okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Rush hour. We can hang my crib. I will show you my hood. What the hell did you just say? <laughs> cultures, oh, different cultures. Clashing. Clashing. Hilarity. Hilarity. Stereotypes. Stereotypes. Yeah, how, how would you sum up the plot, Greg? Uh, this one is a coming of age story. The story of James Carter, a young police detective with an incredibly nice vintage Corvette Stingray. Mm. Born and bred in LA, one of USA's most multicultural cities. A melting pot. An absolute melting pot. (laughs) James Carter has never met a Chinese person. Yeah. (laughs) Or so it seems. Despite living in a city boasting population of just under 4 million with 10% of its inhabitants, inhabitants having Asian heritage. <laughs> he eats Chinese food for the first time and serves a steady dish of ignorant racism to Lee, his new Chinese friend from Hong Kong. Together, they are police officers chasing a little girl who's been kidnapped for singing Mariah Carey too loudly. <laughs> they then become friends. That's a great scene, though. I do like it. It's good. It's I'm delighted in that in the rewatch. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. They then become friends. They do. So you could say that this is a love story. You could. Yeah. Finn. They bond over the bus. I think. It's Bruce Springsteen, right? Whoa. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is that Bruce Springsteen? I don't know. As I said it up, maybe it's not. Who is it? I don't know. I don't really. I ne- I'd never heard of that song before I saw this movie. I only know it from Seinfeld. So when he says everyone knows war, I didn't. I only know it from Seinfeld in that um, Elaine scene. One wonders if War and Peace would have been as highly acclaimed as it was had it been published under its original title, War, What Is It Good For? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Lippman. It was his mistress who insisted that he call it Elaine. War and Peace. Elaine. War, What Is It Good For? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a guy called Edwin Starr. Ah, uh, yeah, the bus. <laughs> The other bus. <laughs> but you make a good point there, Greg. Because I was, as I was watching that, I was trying to like remember where I was at in terms of just understanding multicultural, whatever the fuck. But I went to a school that was like 50% Asian. <laughs> and like, but, but also, I was also thinking like trying to benchmark the different years and shit. I, I also found it crazy weird when we did Showdown in Little Tokyo and, um, and Brandon Lee's characters talking about. I can't remember the line, but he's like, sushi? You mean raw fish? It, like, it was just like, Ugh. You can kind of get away with that more in the 90s. In, yeah, perhaps. well, that was like in 90, 1990, yeah, I think, like, right? This is 98. But I'm like, yeah, is this like he's trying Chinese food for the first <laughs> time? That's the first takeaway. Like, that's You're in Chinatown. Yeah, and like before Uber Eats and, and all that shit, all you could order was pizza or Chinese food. Everyone's had Chinese food. Yeah. I used to go to a Chinese restaurant in a bassinet. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. It's been a staple, and I'm sure LA is the same. Yeah, exactly. But and so this is where I get a little stuck on my like initial thoughts on the rewatch and that kind of shit is like, what? Or are we just thinking that it was like that then, and actually it was genuinely? I yeah, sorry. In other words, I guess I, I'm saying I don't know if that's aged badly or if that was always just not that. Yeah, I, I'm on not point. clear on that either. Yeah, but um, I do think overall. In the rewatch, I was a bit like, yeah, a lot of this, there's like the novelty is definitely not there these days. Of yeah, and it kept well, how wacky he's, it kept but coming. he's Asian and you're black. What? It, <laughs> like it, the first five minutes was rife, and then it just kept going. Yeah, yeah, going. like wow. that's just not that interesting anymore. Yeah, I think my my overall thing in the rewatch was just like it's a pretty middle of the road kind of movie, but. What lifts it is the just the the charm of the two leads yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think they that, are good. They are. I yeah. was remi- I was my first, I guess, thought was reminded how good Jackie Chan is. Yeah, he's got such a screen presence. He does. On top of all the you know amazing facts about his stunts and, and all yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I think he props this film up. Absolutely. The um, oh yeah, it's kind of like I guess at the time maybe. You know, usually there would be one of these characters <laughs> paired with a white character. Yeah. So, but it's like, oh, wait, what if we put the two stereotypes as partners together and it's like double blammy? It's yeah. like, it's kind of interesting. It's good in that sense. And I guess it's kind of groundbreaking in that sense. But they're still <laughs> stereotypes. <laughs> they did have good chemistry. They did. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're still mates today apparently. Oh, that's cute. Oh, the other thing that I found uh, slightly... It just stood out to me a lot was how much they're just waving guns around. Are they just <laughs> dancing with guns and shit in the middle of the street? It's not like when they're, when they're having their bonding moment 
yeah. with that song that's not the boss. Um, and they're just like dancing with guns. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> In the middle of the street. Like Yosemite Sam. <laughs> yeah. That's not a – you don't do that. Yeah. That's not a thing. Uh, but, you know, oh, one thing that I didn't notice when I was reading the, the plot synopsis – um, not to discredit your plot synopsis, Greg, but sometimes I read another plot synopsis on, on the wiki. I'll try not to take offence. <laughs> it calls out that this that opening scene takes place on the last day of British rule of Hong Kong. And the oh, timing yeah. the timing lines up. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, which is interesting because then like, is that why the main bad guy was English? Like Jun Tao turned out to be an English dude? Like, And he, there's a scene... That scene where he reveals himself and he's talking about... Well, I'll play the scene and then we'll talk about it. You know, before the changeover, most of this exhibition was in the hands of a single private collector. Me. I worked most of my life to acquire and catalogue these priceless pieces that you see before you. And then in one fell swoop, it was taken away from me. But tonight... I shall be paid in full. So it's interesting. So all that, this is the scene towards the end where it's revealed that Jun Tao is that English bloke. He's Jun Tao? He, <laughs> what? <laughs> but it's a huge exhibition of all these cultural artifacts and shit from Hong Kong's history, which you know up Jun until Tao then, oh, what, is, what does it mean? White devil? White collector. White collector. <laughs> but yeah, up until this point. Disgruntled things, white this, collector. Disgruntled white collector. Up until this point, these, this rich history of Hong Kong had been held by an evil British man. That's right. So is this whole movie like a metaphor? And, and Jackie Chan's taken aback. So is this whole movie like a metaphor for like Hong Kong taking their independence back from, from the uh, disgruntled white collectors? Maybe. Wow. Interesting. It's timely. But then it becomes heaps. Yeah, exactly. Then it, it becomes heaps weird when you think about, well, what would well, it be today? Rush Hour 4, that would... Not be an English villain. Yeah, exactly. So that's really weird. I want to. I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about the Hong Kong riots and stuff because I don't know enough, and I don't want to. <laughs> I feel like I'll contribute if I have something smart to say, and I don't think I do. But it is interesting how much that's You're tipping shifted. your hat to it because it's what it's a fifty-year handover or something, right? So at at some point, fifty years after nineteen ninety-seven, Hong Kong fully goes back to China or something Is it? and now we're sort of at a halfway point and all the shit's going down and you know, trying to get it. So it's interesting. It is. I don't know what it would mean for a rush. If either if Russia was made today, would Juntao be mainland Chinese or Rush Hour 4? Is that going to play into it somehow? I don't know. If, if the Rat Pack's on it, I'm sure, you know, the devil would be someone from the Me Too movement, the bad, yeah, the bad guy. It would be a lady. <laughs> a lady. It would be a lady. Uh Damn fools. How dare they complain. But it's interesting, right? And, yeah, actually Jackie Chan's made some comments that didn't go down well with the with the protesters. Oh, yeah? Something about he, – he said something in support of – or not in support of the protesters or something that was just a bit – Interesting. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's kind of interesting, right? Something it's – how long Absolutely. has this – it's been 22 years? Yeah. Yeah. We've got back-to-back Hong Kong movies. What's the next one? What's the previous one? Oh, Double Impact. Double Impact. Oh. Yeah! Do you have much on Jackie Chan's history? Um, Jackie Chan, yeah, I've got a little bit on him. 
He actually studied in Australia at one point in his youth. So yeah, did my I was just at my parents' place and my stepdad was saying something about Canberra. He comes to Australia a lot. Does he have family here or something? He must. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure he came. He lived in Canberra or did like a semester of uni, right? Or like worked in Canberra. There's a Canberra thing yeah, going on. This is like a Dolph Lundgren scenario. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So if you want to make it in the action world, did Grace Jones discover him at, in Canberra? Uh, I assume so. Well, yeah, you can only assume. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, part of this, like the, like a really famous dance and performing school, right? Um, where you learn like acrobatics and kung fu uh, and everything. Because the dude sings too. Yes, it, I think it might even be called the opera. And so was like martial arts wrapped up in all that, or was that? Yeah, se- I think you do like that? Shaolin, like That's wushu, sick. which is the more acrobatic style. Yeah, the real busy hands. Mm, yeah, not the Brett Ratner kind of busy hands, but the. The Kung Fu busy hands. Yeah, and so he was he was a badass, obviously, and he was an extra in like uh, Enter the Dragon, which is a oh, shit. famous Bruce Lee movie. Oh, we're gonna get these clips on the gram. Yeah, he tells a great story about when he first met Bruce Lee and how he fanboyed hard. The best story for me, I think, when I was young and um, doing a Under the Dragon fighting with Bruce Lee. And I was behind the camera, whole waiting, waiting. I just see Bruce Then I just run up, just, then he boom, Suddenly, my eyes all black because he just one stick right on my head. He missed it, but I just I do nothing. I just ah, and I just felt you know a little dizzy. But it's okay. I look at Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee doesn't do anything. He look at everybody and keep acting, turn around, back until the director say cut. Then he just throw the two stick, just turn around. Oh my God. He run to me and lift me up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And actually I'm not paying anymore because you know, young guy and me, very tough. But then suddenly I don't know why I just pretend very painful. Oh, oh, oh. I just want Bruce Lee hold me as long as, as, long as uh, he can. I said, oh, uh, doing the whole day. Every time he look at me, <laughs> like this, I said, okay, okay. That's sick. That's cool, isn't it? <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, I was curious. I never knew if they like, crossed over or what. Yeah. That's mad. I also noticed in that clip when he's holding his hand up, he's wearing like a white Richard Mill Oof. watch. How much is he worth? Uh, like a lot, four hundred and something US, I think. Apparently, for a lot of it, was it this movies that he his payment was Asian distribution rights. Oh, right, okay, shit, that makes sense. Fuck yeah, the twin strategy, sort of. Yeah. Fuck, that's mad. Yeah, he's very successful. I was pretty pumped to hear about his singing career. Yeah. He's released 12 studio albums. That's a lot, man. <laughs> yeah, That's and I think heaps. in most movies he has a song. This, this is the song from Police Story. It's his. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. It's almost I Have a Tiger-esque, right? It's got a shitty 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 what a fucking triple threat. Yeah, right. Quadruple threat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's the theme song from Police Story called Hero Story. 
Uh, nice. But he's got heaps. He's been pumping out albums since the 80s. And I think, yeah, studio albums separate to movies, but then also singles within movies. He's done it all. He's done it all. Hats off. Hats off. But, yeah, you know he's done like 100, 115 movies at least. Yeah, it's mental. That's the, that's the best number I could find. That's insane. Yeah. Hey, what did you think of the policing in this movie? I feel like they weren't actually great cops, especially Chris Tucker. Yeah, no, they weren't. No. Great. Those moments, I reckon a lot of it's probably down to like Chris Tucker improving or whatever. It's just like there probably was something in there was more like represented a cop that knew what he was doing. Yeah. Because you know like Axel Foley – Oh, he's not. He's unconventional, but damn it, he's he gets a great results. Cop. Yeah. Whereas, like, he's just walking into restaurants, like, oh, "Where's your towel?" Yeah. That's not. What are you doing? Yeah. He's not good. And the and the the bomb chick. Yep. You know how she diffuses the bomb at the end? Roses are red, violets are blue, and then she cuts one. But then she cuts the green one. Well, yeah. It's like that's the golden rule of diffusing bombs. And she didn't diffuse the bomb in the. Confined space at the <laughs> exactly. There's the no either, did she? Yeah, it seems like it seems like that's the kind of scene where something from that would pay off there, but it just she just <laughs> doesn't, and she just says a rhyme, and it works. Meeny, money, no. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Exactly. That's like Homer saving the meltdown, saving <laughs> Springfield from the yeah. meltdown. <laughs> um, yeah, that shit don't make sense. We've talked. Oh, speaking of Jackie Chan. Him, bas- him basically speaking English in, mo- in the movie was like the equivalent of anyone else doing like stunt work. <laughs> like, you know, the stunts were his comfort zone and then him trying to like learn his lines and shit. Yeah. Because he would learn his lines based on, he would memorize Chris Tucker's lines and he would wait for Chris Tucker's last line. That would yeah. be his cue. But then Chris Tucker would keep just changing shit up. He's saying how, yeah, he's saying how he couldn't really understand it. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a bit. I've got I've got a clip actually on Jackie talking about working with him in the first instance. Who are some of the actors that you've worked with that it it became a, a friendship that means a lot to you, or maybe it's a a connection that you have with them that uh, mm. professionally you like? Chris Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Even even though I don't like him, in the beginning. <laughs> Tell us about that part. Uh, First time I met him in William Morris' office, and he just keep talking. I just look at that guy, why? Why he keep talking? <laughs> and I, you know, and he's so fast. You know, mostly people like Brett Ratner, and like, like my manager, uh, Jackie, the movie is really good for you. I understand, you know? And Chris Tucker, how did I do that? I just, ah, I just, huh, ah, mm, ha, 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 ha. Then after he left, he, ha, 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 after left, then I asked my manager, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even one word no, come, in, come from his mouth. And later on, he used it in the movie. And it's too young, and too young, and come to the set, there's so many ideas, and he was late on the set. I was 7 o'clock call. I was 6.30. I already make up standing. I'm a filmmaker. Yeah, standing here. Then he just come 11 o'clock. Lay. Yeah, lay. And lay. And one day he come to my open home. Jackie, 
can you come later? <laughs> you're making me look uh, bad. Yeah, you make me look bad. I said, no, that's my job. But now, Chris, every day on the set, and do what? Just do the really, really good things. Now I, I really like him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now he's just on the set, you know, and uh, follow the rule. Da, da, da. Now he's great. You know, mostly time he's like, Jackie, where are you? <laughs> I said, I'm in Hong Kong. Okay. You know what it made me think of just then? Well, A, that's lovely. But B, <laughs> have you heard seen that? Something went viral recently and it's like, what? The English language sounds like to people that don't speak English. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. And he did it in this little, oh, shit's crazy. The other thing that clip made me think of, though, the Jackie Chan one, was like, yeah, Chris Tucker. He was pretty fresh in those days, but then he made two more sequels and it was pretty, like, he did Fifth Element and like, doing interesting shit, right? And then... So he also did, um, wait, he did, he's in Jackie Brown as well. Is he? Yeah. He gets put in the trunk of a car, dies, but... Uh, like he's on the up and up and up And he seems like a legit interesting dude Like remember we did Fifth Element And the way he was talking about it was like pretty Yeah He was like he was open minded I just wanted to do creative and, shit yeah. And yeah And he did this movie He did um, You know all those other ones we just said But He did He's done like two movies since 2007 Yeah And one of them was like um, What's it called? Silver Linings, Silver Linings Playbook. Playbook So yeah. again interesting Yeah is there something like? Is he waiting for something like? I don't know. I, I've, I've read. He an did interview. a stand-up special, I but I haven't a, watched it. A written interview, and he said he's putting a lot of time back into stand-up. Right. This is what he says. Interesting. That's his. That's his point of view on it. And yes, he was choiceful. Yeah. And then, um, like, he made a shit ton of money with these movies. Yeah. I think he got paid forty million for the last. Two, I mean, well, this is two. this is the other thing too. Often. Two and three. As outsiders, we look at these guys and goes, oh, whatever happened to that guy? But realistically, if you made 40 million bucks for one movie, mm. if you're not, no judgment of people who want to make more money than that. But also, I feel like I may be more the type, like what you said about Chris Tucker, where I might be like, okay. I'm done. Maybe I'll just do the shit that I find interesting now and not necessarily chase. Yeah. 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 It's well, interesting. He, I think or go he, back to the he, craft I love of stand up or whatever up, it is. Yeah. You know? He did. He apparently is quite the churchman. Um, right. And so there's speculation that he, he's, he did have a big tax debt that he said uh, a couple okay. of years ago, a couple of mil. He's um, a big Michael Jackson-man too, isn't he? He is. He was mates with Michael. Yeah. Apparently uh, on number two, Jackie and, and Chris would go to karaoke and bust out Jackie Chan. Uh, Jackie Chan. Michael yeah. Jackson numbers together. Apparently. And that, well, that ended up being in the sequel. But accident, I'd love to accidentally walk into that room. Imagine that, man. Yeah. Shit. That'll almost be as good as walking on Nicolas Cage singing Purple Rain. Purple Rain! Purple Rain! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so that one? Is that what happened recently? <laughs> uh, or Vin Diesel singing Rihanna? Uh, All along it was a fever and he changes key halfway through because he what? can't go in. Why not? Why not? There's a fair bit of um, – this was a pretty big time for Asia in Hollywood. Well, yeah, it's interesting 2018. too. And also like Asia and hip-hop culture yeah. or Kung Fu and like Wu-Tang yeah. and all yeah. that kind of stuff was happening. Yeah. 
And then I think soon after this, not before, I don't think there was like Romeo must die. And like there was some interesting like fusion-y thing happening. Yeah, well, the John Woo movies were happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Replacement Killers was the same year. Uh, So Chow Yun-Fat was making movies in Hollywood around this time. Yeah. Mission Impossible 2 was probably soon after. Not that that looks Asian, but that's the John Woo. It is John Woo. Um, Friend of the show, Bobby De Niro, had a film released called Ronan. Oh, yeah. So Ronan, at the beginning, it's got this sort of like text overlay explaining what a Ronan was, which was from, right. from memory it was like a, a lone exiled samurai. Yeah. Wanders the so that came out this year too, I think. Did it? Really? That was one of the movies. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. 98. That's yeah. right. Now the film went on to have nothing to do with that, but <laughs> it might have just been tapping <laughs> Yeah, in. because there's a counter movie with Ronan in it too, the name Ronan something Ronan. Yeah, right. And he's a Japanese something or other. Wow. <laughs> but it, well, it's interesting to look at, like I was saying before, comparing it to, if you, if you go there's now, there's 1990 Showdown in Little Tokyo <laughs> mm. and then there's this kind of smack banging in between. And like Showdown in Little Tokyo was all this Japanese foreign influence is essentially evil <laughs> kind of thing. Whereas that was pre-internet as well, so we were a lot more stupid. Oh, probably equally stupid now, just in different ways. But yeah, I see your yeah. point. Um, and there was that huge fear of like the cultural influence of Japan. They bought up Sony. I mean, Sony had bought Columbia, all that kind of shit. Um, right. Whereas at least this movie, it opens in Hong Kong and it's showing good people and bad people out of Hong Kong. So it's not like, it's, it's not doing the showdown little Tokyo thing of like this entire no. culture is evil. 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 But. <laughs> It is pretty stereotypical. So, like, it's sort of like an interesting halfway point, kind of perfectly on the curve of, like, representation yeah. of Asia in yeah. movies. Like, probably probably progressive at the time, but in, in hindsight, hindsight, pretty so stereotypical. Much. Like, you don't need – when you cut to a scene in Chinatown, you don't need to play – kind of music. Yeah, yeah, which that kind they of did. Thing. Yeah, because we're getting to the point now where it's, you know, we just had last year Crazy Rich Asians, always be my maybe. I think, uh, I'm not going to word this right, but what I'm saying is it's in the we're right, getting we're to the point. In the right direction. Well, A, movies like Crazy Rich Asians and Always Be My Maybe are more representative of just Asian culture as it is. Not that necessarily rich, but maybe Always Be My Maybe. Cooking's a big part of the Korean culture and they they – integrate that into the story and yeah. whatnot. Uh-huh. But then even more than that, now there's characters that just happen to be Asian and it doesn't have to be a huge plot point, the yeah. fact that they're Asian, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know. I they're think just that's playing where a person, not an yeah. Asian person. Oh, the other thing that's interesting, thinking about now versus then too, so obviously at the time this was a big deal because it's Jackie Chan and his stunts and all the craziness of his stunts. But actually it's also pretty watered down, right? So like a lot of Jackie Chan movies, there'll be like 20 minutes of straight stunts. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. I saw an interview him talking about it and saying how like he kind of views what he does in those long single take stunts to like what Fred Astaire does in like Singing in the Rain. Is that Fred oh, yeah. Astaire? Whatever. Yeah. But like it's well, a long single yeah. take versus like a video of lots of short takes. So I I did read some things that he doesn't love Rush Hour because it is more just lots of little takes yeah. and like short action things and yeah. that's like Brett Ratner getting to simplify, simplify, simplify. Yeah. I it's wonder definitely he, Jackie Light. Yeah, Jackie Light. I wonder if it would have done better if he if they let him unleash more. But the interesting thing is now, if, if this movie was released today, and I would say 
I was probably less, I mean, I love Jackie Chan and everything he did was still awesome, but it was less kind of mind-blowing than it was in those days. Yeah. Because you got like Tom Cruise trying to kill himself in every movie these days and like that that's become like a, oh, what's it, like a credibility thing for an actor now? Like, oh, I actually did that or actually, whereas I guess that was maybe one of the, for us. It's still pretty special. Yeah. To the level that Jackie does it. Oh, yeah, no one does it that special. But, I mean, that Rush Hour movie yes. relative yeah, gotcha. to yeah. Rush Hour relative to Mission Impossible, it whatever the latest one was. Up. Yeah, it would need to be dialed up to be wow again. Yeah. Yeah. But you could probably gotcha. just watch another Hong Kong Jackie Chan movie. Yeah, they're outstanding. Yeah. Man. But he, oh, there was another thing they were talking about how he um, they had to set up the stunt so differently for safety, for like insurance purposes yeah, and all these yeah, legal yeah, things. He's like, and it's like, I've never felt so safe doing yeah. all these stunts. Usually <laughs> I just do it. And <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the one, the clip of him falling in police story? He nearly died. When he was really? Young. He jumps down some bamboo. And oh, like, and he slipped and fell like ten meters or something. Uh, it sounds like a miracle that he's not dead because, like, all this shit, he would yeah. just do it. I think that was the biggest one. I can't remember if it was Project A or Police Story. I feel like it was one of those. It's, uh, he, to- he talks about it. He's just, it was like his closest coming. Yeah, that shit's nuts. You know what? One crazy legacy of this movie is. I'm not sure if you came across this word. Rotten Tomatoes. Started not because of this movie, but sort of. What do you mean? <laughs> so Rotten Tomatoes. We learnt the story of IMDb. Yeah, Tell us the story somewhat, of Rotten Tomatoes. It's somewhat reminiscent of that. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes was launched on August 12, 1998. If that date sounds familiar, it's because this movie came out in September 1998 as a part-time project by a dude named Sen Duong. Um, forgive my pronunciation, I'll get it wrong as usual. Uh, he was a super fan of Jackie Chan. And as more and more Jackie Chan movies were getting released in the US, he wanted to aggregate all the reviews as they were coming in and pushed, uh, he coded for like two weeks straight or whatever to get it ready for the release of Rush Hour. And I don't know what it was called in those days, but it was called something else. And eventually it started branching out beyond Jackie Chan movies and it became... It became what we know really? as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, I would have thought it was older than that. Yeah, how crazy is that? So 98. And then, so yeah, it expanded beyond Jackie Chan movies, got sold to IGN in 2004. Then IGN got bought by News Corp in 2005. But then IGN sold <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes to Flickster in 2010. But then in 2011, that got acquired by Warner Brothers. Oh my God. And in 2016, sold to Fandango, which in the US is like a big entertainment platform. Company. You buy your movie tickets and shit, but it's also, yeah, it's lots of stuff. Content, vertical integration. Yeah, whatnot. yeah. Um, but vertical. Man, that's, a, that's quite a, I don't ever think of Rotten Tomatoes as like a startup-y thing, but I guess it is, and it's pretty fucking cool. Who was ratting on it in the last couple of weeks? One of our directors or someone? Probably. I mean, there is a, like a flaw with these things. Same with like the Yelp kind of thing where it's like, if you get too caught up with it, no one watches anything <laughs> well, yeah. it's like 100% or something. Well, this like, person, that was their view. I forget who it was. It was like a, it was a director or, some, or something like that. They were like, yeah. it, it reduces a film to a number. Which it depends how you look at it though because the way, I'm pretty sure the way Rotten Tomatoes works, it's like it's not an average of the score. It's more of like if something gets 90% of Rotten Tomatoes, it means 90% of the reviews gave it a pass or more. 
Like so, it's. Oh, is that all? I think so. I don't know the technical whatever, but it's not the average. You're just score. making this up on the fly. Well, that's that's how I've always interpreted it. But it's not like an average. Like it's not like oh, that person gave it nine. This person gave it eight. So it's eighty-five percent. It's so it's certified fresh. Yeah. So with that in mind, I always think the ones that are around fifty percent are polarizing movies that are interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I always think that can be an interesting one. And I've actually chosen movies based on that in the that. past. Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. I, I used to have a rule with Carol that she couldn't, if she, the movie that she picked had to be over 30%. Because <laughs> she used to pick some real stinkers. <laughs> well, that's the, interesting because I'm pretty sure the Rush Hour sequels get sub 30%. Well, do they? I think the third one at least. Yeah, there you I go. I think that's 18%. So that rule came about after she, um, she chose that we watch a film called R.I.P.D., with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah, I've avoided that one. R.I.P.D., Rotten Tomato. Let's just that put Ryan Reynolds on ice for a while until Deadpool. Yeah. He was yeah. out. He was out of the picture. It was bad. So the audience score on that's 38, but the critic score is 13%. Yeah, so that's shit. Yeah, it's, it was... And it looks terrible, but it's got Jeff Bridges, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Well, everyone got to eat, right? Yeah. Um, Chris, Chris Penn is in this. I always just... <laughs> Yeah, Chris Penn. Fucking loved Chris Penn, man. He was fucking good, wasn't he? he? Was Poor guy. Yeah. How did he die? Drugs, something. Uh, yeah, his heart. Oh man. But he was he was overweight basically. So I think Sean, his brother Sean Penn, obviously, right. um, uh, pointed to his weight because he put on quite a bit. He was pretty big, right. and his heart was under pressure, and he drank a bit, and I think took prescription drugs. Yeah, like, right. I don't think it was anything crazy, but and Chris yeah. Penn. If you don't know who he is. Um, Reservoir Dogs, and this is the guy with the C4 in the trunk. Yeah, he's he's actually I don't usually do him, but in this one I was like low key VP. Actually, yeah. I think I've got three low key VPs in this. Yeah, one. I've got. I'll he's not my low key VP. Did you know I, I learned this when I was reading this? He was uh, in American Pie too, but ended up on the cutting room floor. Really? Yeah. As what? As Stifler's dad. Whoa! Yeah, it works, doesn't it? Like, how did that not make it? That's like the smartest thing they've ever done. They I cut know. it. <laughs> what? That's amazing. Maybe it ruins the bell curve for the rest of the jokes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's all downhill. And Tom Wilkinson, as you, Jun Juntao, the yeah. So who is that guy? He's got one of those faces. He's in yeah. lots of stuff. Is he? he? He. So he's one of those English actors that straddles really well between period dramas. Yeah. And gangsters. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. he's in like he's in Batman Begins. Remember he plays that smaller part? Ah, uh, yeah, okay. He talks about That's probably what I'm thinking it of. Begged. Begged me. Begged uh, me. Uh, he's got that, that cold yeah. face. Yeah, he's great he's a great villain. Yeah. So he was albeit a small role, nailed it, I thought. Actually, you know what's interesting is I remember when I first watched the movie thinking like, oh, that's so dumb that the evil mastermind has to be white and can't be Asian. I actually thought that at the time. Yeah. But now I think it's actually good that it was white because it's like the bad guy was ultimately white. Vanilla face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but, you know, uh, also that the bomb diffuser lady, yeah. uh, Elizabeth Pena, she died in 2014. Oh. Yeah. Of a similar – of liver – Failure, but seems to be alcohol related. Oh, boo. Yeah. I didn't know much about her. I didn't know much about her either. And I looked her up because I was like, hey, I don't know much about it. But apparently she was in Modern TV? Family and she was in yeah. La Bamba, apparently. Oh, right. But okay. she seemed like a weird 
casting choice in this movie, or she maybe not even the casting. Bit. She's just kind of there. Like why is she? Maybe her character had more of a role or edited out or something. But it was just weird. Yeah, it, it was it stood yeah, out. You, you kind of yeah yeah agree for sure. It stood out. Yeah. Yeah, no, but they sort of leaned into her story a little bit. Like yeah. you see her at home and she seems kind of lonely. She must have had a bigger part and they yeah. cut it out. Should we just for the record like call out exactly what's going on there with Brett Ratner? Because I feel like we can't just say he's a shitbag and not actually give any yeah. reason why. So He outed Ellen uh he Ellen outed Page. Ellen Page. So he directed X-Men 3, which is a crime in and of itself. <laughs> it's the shittest one. Actually, it's not the shittest one anymore. But the new um, ones are the ones. Ones are the ones. But um, yeah, this guy, she was pretty fucking young at that point too. Outed her at a press conference or something in front of everyone. Um, he has been accused of sexual misconduct by Olivia Munn, Natasha Henstridge. I don't know if he's been convicted or what, or if any of this has been set out of court. There's been more than that too. I think there's like six or so it's of a these. Bunch, yeah. But he's also he just seems like a real frat boy douchey type. Like he also was, you know, when Eddie Murphy was supposed to host the Oscars, yeah, he was the producer or something, and he said something about, you know, using gay slurs. It was just like, it just sounds like an idiot. Like that one's, like, it's not a crime, but you sound like a dick. Yeah, yeah. So he's a shit bag. He's been a bit slower as well, hasn't he? He's had. I think he's a lot of his basically been, been cancelled, right? Yeah, he's pretty much out. I think, I think he's a producer. Were like, yeah, nah. I think he's still been producer because I think he was involved in um, the Revenant, maybe in some capacity. Oh, okay, I read that somewhere, but I could be wrong. Um, so he's probably still bouncing around there because some of this stuff was pretty early, pre Me Too stuff, which is why his name's probably not quite as up there. That's the crazy thing too because Olivia Munn has said she's been talking about this since fucking whenever it happened then, and no one cared then. But now people listen. Yeah, now people yeah. listen. Well, at least they're listening now, but fuck, man. That shit's fucked up. Let's get, well, let's get into the verdict and do a little, uh, little, little wrap-up ski here. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. So uh, after after last episode, Greg and I realized we didn't really do a verdict. <laughs> <laughs> for context, we were in a rush to get out, and we were extremely hungover. And we needed. Were we hungover? No, we remember. were about to start drinking. Oh, we were about to start drinking. That was the we other had episode. Plans. We had we had to rush out, and then we realized we actually didn't do a verdict. So let's do the verdict properly this time. For ghost. For ghost. Now let's just do it for this. I can't remember ghost now, but um, I had I had three low key VPs. Oh. Or maybe I only had two. Chris Penn. No, I had three. Chris Penn. Oh, I didn't even talk about this guy yet. Ken Luang. Ken. The guy that's basically the right-hand man of Juntao. Oh, yeah, the one. He's th- good, right? The one who you think is Juntao. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's in heaps of stuff, but he's always good. Is he? He's like one of those guys. He's, a, he's an Asian, that guy. Yeah, like right. A, like a character guy that just pops up in lots of things. And I always think he's good. I feel like he needs some more something. A bit more cred. Yeah. So those two, but then also as you were doing your plot recap, I think the chick, the little girl. Yeah, she's my low-key She's VP. so funny, man. Yeah. So funny. 
Yeah, push the button. <laughs> yeah, she's hilarious. She's hilarious. That's fucking I mad. I tried to see if she's grown Carey up into singing? an actor, but she hasn't. Well, apparently, well, see, I looked that up well, too. Well, she wasn't on Wiki anyway. Well, there was there's mixed signals. That's why I didn't really go into it because it's it seemed unreliable. But there's some saying she's a rapper now, and the, but there's different images used in all these articles, and uh, it's yeah, she was great. Yeah, she was funny. She was hilarious. I reckon the Mariah Carey bit is up there as like. Top three bits of the movie, maybe. Yeah. Oh, upgrade. <laughs> yeah, so good. Overall MVP, though, it's a tough one. Yeah, I didn't land anywhere, but I'd probably give it to. Uh, I don't know, actually. I kind of flip flop between. It's kind of go between leads. the two. Say that's, that's what I had. I'll give them both a pass. Yeah, but in terms of it holding up, though, like the ultimate verdict, I've gone back and forth on this a little bit. And I know I, I'm trying to be stricter because sometimes I just give everything a pass. Like, yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. Rewatch it. This one is definitely in that borderline. It's a, yeah. Like, it's sort of in no man's land of uh, the, the cross-cultural thing is not that interesting anymore. No. But the charisma of the two leads is still fun. Mm. But that's kind of all that's, that's left, I think. There's not much else there. There's not much else there. Um, and you can get more Jackie Chan elsewhere. Yeah, you can't get a lot of Chris Tucker though, so maybe that's what it's got going for it. Friday, Friday, but that's about it. Like, watch, not a hundred. He hasn't Friday. made one hundred and fifteen movies. Watch Friday a few times. Yeah, watch Friday a few times. So I guess it's. Uh, I would. It just tips over into rewatch with the caveat that. It's like, not great. <laughs> yeah, lower your expectations. Like I've watched. If you need a Jackie Chan, uh, if you, if you need a Chris Tucker fix. And you like Jackie Chan and you don't want to read subtitles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. And you've watched Beverly Hills Cop enough. <laughs> you know, like it's Did you have you seen were the subtitles coming up for you when they were speaking Mandarin? Oh, I can't I guess so. I can't remember. I didn't get any, any but Carol was there, so she was just translating for me, which was quite oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a soft so you're a soft yes? Soft yes. Yeah. Mm. How about you? Look, I won't speak bad of the movie because in its time, yeah. in its place, it was pretty significant. I think that's the main thing. I'm not, I don't want to shit on the movie because yeah. this was a big movie for yeah. me. And at the time, these, this was pretty progressive even though it's yeah. yeah. But in some ways it is best left in the past because it hasn't – I just don't think it's dated that well. Yeah. But it's, I respect its yeah. heritage. And I tell you what, if like Chris Tucker had done a bunch more movies – Maybe I would be yeah, absolutely leave it in the past. It's a bit like if if Arnold had only made Commando, I'd be like, "Fuck, praise mm. that, keep that yeah. movie up there." Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> this this should be Chris Tucker's shittiest movie, kind of thing. You know, this should yeah. have been the beginning of something bigger. Mm. I guess we'll just have to wait. Yeah. What have we got coming up? We don't even know. Oh, we've got episode fifty coming up. Episode fifty, double impact. Double impact. Double impact. The titular. Yeah, campaign two thousand has been unsuccessful. Yeah, and you know we we posted it on Instagram like twice, and it still hasn't worked. What what else is there? I don't know. <laughs> couple of couple of our fans hit up JCVD. Yeah, respect the fans. People have been helping doing their bit. But fans? Um, Do we call them fans? Friends of the show. Friends of the show. Yeah, so sorry, friends of the show. Indulgent. This is a two way street here. Yeah. Um, and we appreciate you. Thank you for. Doing all you do, try to get um, Van Dam, the man on the show. So far, it ain't happening. Yeah, but we'll still cover it with all our might. 
Oh, and the good news is this podcast ain't going nowhere. And every 10th episode is still going to be a Van Damme episode. So there's plenty of time yeah, to get the guy we, on the show. But we don't want him for Street Fighter. That was horseshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited to rewatch Street <laughs> yeah, Fighter. It keeps popping up on Amazon as I'm going through movies to watch. And I'm like, oh, save it though. I need a fresh take at the time. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. That might be it then. That's it. What did you think? Have you rushed it recently? It's on Netflix in Australia. If you disagree, let us know. Hit us up. But if you haven't already, leave us a review because that helps us. Yes, and thank <laughs> you for those review leavers. Yes, you guys we have been great. You. Uh, I think we're out. I think we're out. I got to get home. Yeah. Cook some prawns. It's Ooh. prawns for dinner. You listen here, you prawn. Okay? Tell you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>